Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. Down, 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 down. No, just kidding. But wouldn't that be cool if there was another little riff there? Maybe that's uh, maybe that's something to do for season three. Anyway, how you doing? I hope all is well. I know crazy things in the world, but I hope you're doing okay and getting through it. Last week we had Andy Frasco on the show. If you haven't heard of him, he's uh, great tunes. Great dude, wild dude, go check it out. And he's and he's somebody for musicians listening. He's somebody who uh, started out touring 250 dates a year, and is now in his early 30s. I mean, he did it for he's been doing it for 14 years. Um, you know, pretty much since he was a teenager, I think, right out of high school. And he now is selling out mid-sized venues and playing uh, large festivals across the country. He's getting jam crews. He's selling 500 tickets in every town. Um, so he's somebody that we've seen be an in, a totally indie project and make a solid career for themselves performing original music. So it's a it's one I encourage you musicians to go back and check out last episode with Andy Frasco. He uh, is now signed on with 7S Management in Denver, and he does a great job with his community, not just his music. But he does a great job with his vibe and, and who he is. He's very cohesive in his in his branding, almost accidentally, just because of who he is. But he's somebody to look at and study because he's certainly he's doing something right. Um, and he's and he's turning a lot of heads. During the quarantine, he put out a bunch of silly videos that oftentimes had nothing to do with music, but it just made people happy and smile. So somebody to check out. Um What's new? What's new with me? I've got a show. My band has a show at Globe Hall in Denver on July 18th. And we're trying to we're trying to sell some tickets for these. There's going to be instead of one show at 250 capacity, there's going to be two shows at 50 capacity. An early show at 7:30 and a late show at 9:30. Now the way it works is there's going to be socially distant seating. Like I said, 20% capacity. The venue will be cleaned, sanitized between the early show and the late show. Um, and people will be seated, separated based on how you buy your tickets. So we're making it as safe as possible for people. And these shows have been popular. People have been popping up uh, for shows because they're dying to see live music. And I think as long as it's being done safely, uh, it's a good thing to get the community together. So if you're one of those people that's saying, hey, I'm still staying inside... I'm not coming out yet. That's totally, totally, totally cool. There will be more shows. But if you're looking to come out and see a live performance, um, I'd love to I'd love to see you at this one. Come say hey. Say hey, I've listened to the podcast. That'd be cool. I'd love to I'd love to meet you. I think that's it on the agenda for today. I want to talk about today's guest, Shanna in a dress. She's one of my absolute favorite local artists right now. Another person who does a great job of cultivating her community. She has great music. Her lyrics are awesome, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, uh, sometimes quirky. It's kind of all over the map, but she's a very creative lyricist. Um, She's a very aware lyricist and songwriter um, and somebody who, who makes you think when you listen to them and makes you reflect. And I just, I absolutely am in love with her songwriting. She's a brilliant artist. And you got to check her out, Shanna in a dress. Another thing worth noting about Shanna is that she does not have a commercial release out on Spotify yet. 
Um, she's been working her YouTube channel. She's been working her social media community. She's been working her Patreon. We talk about her Patreon um, during the interview. She has a bunch of Patreon supporters that give her a monthly subscription fee and help her out that way to be creative. And, and she's always been creative. She's doing different things for her fans um, and cultivating her community. When she did her Patreon campaign to get people to sign up, she said if she got to 100 patrons, monthly patrons, she was going to do a snow angel. And this was back in February or something when there was all kinds of snow on the ground. Or maybe March. I don't know. But uh, but she did it and it was hilarious and, and it got a bunch of views and stuff. Um, but I can't speak highly enough of Shanna. We've tried co-writing once before and I think we're going to try to do some more stuff. And we've also just been able to, during the quarantine a couple times, just get on Zoom and shoot the shit and pick each other's brains a little bit, which has been a lot of fun. So she came up in Virginia, moved to Colorado, I think she said six years ago, and has been making things happen as a musician ever since. So this is going to be a very enjoyable episode, and we're going to get a track at the end. I love when artists allow us uh, to play tracks at the end. This one's called Broken Crayons. Right? Cool. Aren't you already like, wait a minute, a bro what is it? What is this song about? You've never heard a song about a crayon before or referencing a crayon. You just haven't. So stick around to the end of the episode and check it out. Okay. Quick thanks to the sponsors, Narrator RF or Narrator Music, I should say. If you go to www.narrator.com, you can look at their catalog of music. It's easy music uh, that you can buy licensing for sync. So for instance, if you're filming a commercial for your company and you need some stock music, you can go in and say, hey, we need, uh, I don't know, Irish music for this commercial we're shooting. You can type in Irish music and narrator will pull up all the songs they have in their catalog that fit that description. You can purchase it and have it for use just like that. Simple, bang, bang, bang. Small companies especially, check out the site. They're doing a lot of cool things. And also thanks to PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for any of your audio or restoration needs, go to www.pqmastering.com. Okay, let's get into it. My conversation with Shanna in a dress. Is oh. this going is this going on YouTube and I have to not pick my nose? This is going on YouTube and you can't pick your nose. You can pick your nose, but it'll be on YouTube. Okay. Good I'll, go first. I'll go first so it's you know, so you don't feel self-conscious about doing it later. Thank you. What's happening? Hi. I'm happy to be chatting with you. It's always I'm, a pleasure. Yeah, I'm happy to be chatting with you as well and um we had such a great conversation the other week that I kept thinking afterwards that I wish we'd recorded it. You know, yeah. even us trying to write a song unsuccessfully for like 45 minutes would have been great content. It, you know, we could always try that again if we run out of things to say. <laughs> Let's write a song on air now. Let's write a song on air. That would be a cool concept, write a song on air. 
live. Oh my gosh, that makes me nervous just thinking about. Yeah, me too. Um, so going back, I I kind of like to go chronologically to you know sort of, um, and then bounce around. But how did how did things start for you? You're a musician now. Mm-hmm. When did you first get how into it? I. Taught myself guitar my freshman year of college, and that's when I started writing songs. And I like taught myself out of a method book. So pretty much any time there was a new chord progression that it taught me, I would turn it into a song. So I still sometimes teach um, guitar out of that same book. And when we get to the page that's like A-E-D-A, I'm like, I wrote a song about Chipotle to the to these chords, and um, almost all of these in, introductory songs that I wrote were four chords over and over and over. Um, as a result of I don't know practicing my guitar method book maybe. Yeah. And what was the book? Uh, it has such a plain name that I couldn't even tell you. It's like guitar. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's very. But it's hard to find. It's not like a common one. Um, but I, I just started writing so many songs, and then I had this idea in my head of um, keeping them private until I was good enough to put on like a full show, and I. I think this happened my junior year of college, maybe. Which was where? University of Virginia. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's where I grew up in in Virginia. And I was in band, and my band director told me I could use the hall for my concert. The hall meaning the hall where the symphony gives its... Um, performances and where the band had its rehearsals and this is a big deal like they have a you know baby grand piano and it's beautiful and resonant and it's just the most beautiful space you could imagine for someone's first show it's maybe the most beautiful space I've ever had a show Um, and I had a surprise concert so I messaged everyone i knew and said march 1st eight o'clock i'm not gonna tell you what it is but you gotta come if i mean anything to you it's a surprise it's a surprise event and you have to come i said bring a pencil and bring a a pencil yeah yeah that was kind of to throw them off because I knew once I said, come to Old Cabell Hall, they would think it was like a musical performance. But if they are bringing a pencil, they could be a little confused about it. Um, So everyone comes in. I have my French horn sitting on a chair in the middle of the stage for as um, people file in. I think it was a crowd of somewhere between 60 to 80 people. And wow. Yeah. And then, you know, I said, don't worry, this isn't a French horn recital (laughs) and uh, moved my French horn off stage. I passed out programs for everyone and told them to give me feedback on the back with their pencil that they brought. Oh, my gosh. 
Um, and I played maybe a 12 song set and it was everything that I think I am now. Like I was, even though I was kind of embarrassed of my singing abilities and playing abilities, I felt like I could put on a good show. And that is, that turned out to be the case because everyone, including myself, had so much fun. And I left that show being like, I think maybe my life has changed forever and this is what I need to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't a music major or anything. I, I majored in kinesiology. What is that? Yeah, it's like the study of how the body moves and my concentration was in exercise physiology and I was on route to be maybe a researcher or like a clinical specialist kind of person. And so was it that night literally after you had those thoughts leaving where you said, I'm not going to do um, whatever you said, ology for my career? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. I definitely said, I want to do this. Not, I don't want to do everything else, but I, I definitely want to see what can happen here. So I stayed in Virginia for two years after college, um, quote unquote, being a singer songwriter, which means um, I was a nanny <laughs> and I um, connected with a local musician and we started sharing a bunch of shows together. Then I moved out to Colorado and actually, so the reason I moved to Colorado is because I did this cross country bike trip and I fell in love with Colorado during that. I said, I'm gonna move there. I did and then I had to rebuild my fan base, if you wanna say that, from, from zero once I was out here. But I've never been more motivated and more certain that this is what I should be doing than I am right now. That's wonderful. And so leaving Virginia or being in Virginia for a couple years after you graduated. So were you in the, was that like near Charlottesville or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So were you in that music scene? Yes, I would say so. And what, what's that scene like? Um, and maybe you can even compare and contrast to, our scene here, our Northern Colorado, but what, what did you think of the scene in general and um, how were you able to build up a fan base there? Well, it was just, it was really welcoming, really friendly. Um, it's funny, we had a songwriters open mic every week at the local that had a, a bunch of pros came together and would be your backing band for your one song. Cool. So now it's like many years later and I'm learning that those pros that I played with are actually, you know, pretty successful musicians, but I had no idea at the time. Like, I don't know, Michael Clem is the name of someone that people, uh, I know he's done really well for himself. And I'm like, oh, really? I played with Michael Clem. Cool. He's, he's a big deal. Oh, I didn't even know. <laughs> you know, he was my neighbor. So 
so that's been kind of fun to realize that I was one degree away from people who really knew what they were doing. And then, I don't know, I'm, I felt really sad to leave them because everyone was really supportive. The, the main reason I was able to play shows, even though I didn't know what I was doing, was because I connected with a local musician named Scott T, who um, booked all of our shows for me. So I didn't even have to, I just had to show up and play yeah. with him and we sang on each other's stuff and it was really, really fun and welcoming and nice and yeah, I mean, I'd never actually reached, I probably did one ticketed show, everything else was coffee house type of stuff. And then mm -hmm. I came here and I still feel like it's welcoming and kind. And as long as I can find fellow songwriters, then I stay in the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and how long have you been in Colorado now? I think five years, but it might be six, maybe six. Five or six years. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, are you leaving anytime? I mean, are you, is this home now? It is. I'm like reluctant to say that because I want to not have deep roots anywhere. I want to be able to say, yeah, I guess it's time. I'm going to move to Nashville now. Um, and yeah. so I try to keep that lack of attachment toward a place, but I love it here for sure. It's hard to leave. I, you and I can be the holdouts. All right, we're not going to Nashville. We're making them come to us. I don't know. Yeah, don't. we'll see. I don't know. I'm probably not. <laughs> it's probably going to be hard to hold out. Um, something you mentioned about your very first show, um, it sounded very you because you're you're very quirky and you and you always have a clever way of doing things, whether it's in your songwriting or in your campaigns. You know the way you the way you are on social media. Um, and it struck me that you said you made everybody bring a pencil to your first show. Yeah. And that seems so you just from the things I've seen posted and from talking with you. I was like, yeah, she would make everybody bring a pencil. Um, of course. And what a cool idea. Everybody gave you feedback on the songs. That's such, that's such an original. Um, that's, it seems like a really original concept to me. I just think that's really that's really neat that you did that. And I don't even know what my question is here. but Honestly, I wish I still did it. After every show, I'm so disappointed. Um, I mean, I'm not disappointed. I'm very happy after all my shows, but I'm disappointed when I don't get specific feedback. Like when people are just like, that was so much fun, loved it, thank you. And then they leave. I'm just like, well, what was your favorite song? Or um, what, was there a part that stood out to you? Or, you know, and I'm always trying to. You want to song. The third song made me. I went up and went to the bathroom during the third song. <laughs> want that information. Uh, yeah. So coming to Colorado, what was that like? Starting, essentially starting all over, right? You had your show and you had your songs, but in some ways you're starting all over. And I know that scares the crap out of me. The times that I've talked about, well, what if I moved to Nashville or Austin or Portland or somewhere else that might be better for my music career maybe the right. thought of starting over freaks me out the thought of having no connections um freaks me out what was that like for you and how did you get through it 
Well, luckily I moved at a time where I was like, that's kind of an unfortunate side effect that I will have to restart my um, music career because my main motivation for moving was I was, uh, I had like a long stretch of writer's block. I was bored by playing my old songs and I, I needed a change and I had fallen in love with this new place. So, you know, it wasn't a, I'm going to move to Colorado because that's where the music is. You know, it was just, that's where I'm going to move. I'm, and I'll, hopefully I can find a music community there. And, you know, it's not like my fan base was that huge. <laughs> like, um, I wish I still had them all, but um, <laughs> honestly, I feel that way now. I'm like, I could probably move somewhere and the people that are going to stick with me can stick with me through the internet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what what kind of shows did you start playing when you moved? You were doing, started with coffee house stuff and how did, how did things progress? And, and you're in Northern, you're in Fort Collins, right? I'm in Boulder. You're in Boulder. Oh, you're in Boulder. How did I miss that? You're West. <laughs> you're West side. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in Louisville, so very close. Yeah. Uh, have you been in Boulder that the whole time? You've been in Boulder for- Mostly. Um, I lived with my aunt and uncle in Louisville when I first moved here. Oh. And eventually found an affordable living situation in Boulder. Right. <laughs> so you have family out here as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I was actually- either going to move to Boulder or Portland. But since I had family in Louisville, I had a free place to live. Awesome. For a little bit. Yeah, no, I lived in Louisville my whole stinking childhood. Cool. Uh, so was Portland a place that you saw on your on your bike travels too? Yeah. And my whole reason for going there, moving there was the food trucks. The food trucks? Yeah, I think the food trucks are just so good that it's enough for me to want to live there. That says a lot about the food trucks. There's got to be some pretty damn good food trucks. Yeah. Also, I just really love food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you there. Um, so let's maybe jump into some songwriting stuff. Um, cool. What is, I, I like that age old question, do the music or the lyrics come first? But I found out when we talked last that you and I differ on that quite a bit so what comes first for you how does your song how do you make a song uh well it's a little i don't know a little race between technically i think they happen at the same time but not at the exact same time like i usually have a lyric that i want to write about not or a concept a lyric concept and then I'm not likely to write the entire lyric before I have any music for it. Then I will find a, a little riff that attracts me on guitar. And, you know, I'm like, ooh, okay, I like this groove. And then once I like the groove, I will just ad-lib over it. And, um, something usually will come out in the ad-libbing that I like. 
um, whether it's the melody or a line. And then it just kind of, you know, back, you keep going back and forth between whatever. I find it easier to make up melodies. Lyrics are my favorite part, but I like, I could, I could make up any melody. I'm never, I'm rarely stuck on a melody. You could make a melody before you had any lyrics or anything like that. I could, but I wouldn't because I feel so much freedom around writing a melody yeah. that I'd rather, I'd rather have the lyrics and then I can sing something to them rather like top lining. I think that's so hard when right. people, yeah, are like, this is the melodic rhythm I want to match. Let's fit lyrics into that. Whew, that's a puzzle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so do you start the, I mean, you have your concept, but do you usually write like a verse or two before you start putting music on or is it concept right to some sort of music? Oof, I don't know. <laughs> it's too much. Um, Different. I know I rarely write, this is not answering your question, but I hardly ever write the chorus first, which I know is like the very, the Nashville way to write is like, let's have the title, let's know what our chorus is. And I tend to start with verse one. <laughs> um, Same, samesies. Yeah. Yeah. And let me think of like the last song I wrote. That would help me answer these questions. That one started with a guitar riff and a prompt. I'm in a songwriting group that gives you a prompt every month. And I was like, well, I know I have to use this word. So what am I going to write as a result of this word? Do you, you don't have your guitar close by, do you? I have it close by. Oh, sweet. Let's, uh, um, yeah. I haven't played this for anyone, um, so it's going to be a little rough, but what was this? Okay, so the prompt was Highwire, and I, let's see, learned these chords that I thought sounded like really cute and old-timey. That was enough. I was like, "Ooh, okay. Ooh, it's gonna be a story about like this this flighty girl who." F I thought originally I was gonna write it and be, say, like the high wire woman loves the man on the ground, and it would be about wow a flighty woman loving a sturdy man. But then that's not what came out <laughs> when I was just like. When I was ad-libbing over this, right. I um, sang the words, we, like, we met on the Ferris wheel. And then I was like, whoa, that was cool. We met on a Ferris wheel, what? So um, yeah, I'll play you a little bit of it. 
We met on the Ferris wheel like a box top rom com, too cute to be real. Your face lit up against the sky of constellations. You wanted me slow, and I'm not known for my patience. Stomach was a topsy turvy whirling dervish. I ignored when our conversations made me nervous. The downs were off, and then we'd come back up. But where does one always get off? They say hindsight is 2020, but my blind eye has incentive to turn. Keep myself guessing with the lessons I've yet to learn. But then, of course, the next one I'm gonna meet when the circus comes into town, because we gotta get to that high wire. Right. Then the next one and the circus came in a town. Your lap was my aphrodisiac, oh how he'd clown. And I liked the heat from your lion's breath and flirted with the danger of flying without a net. Suppose I like the challenge of you never holding steady. I tiptoed toward a future for which you'd never be ready. Uh, what's the next part? Oh, wait. My feet never quite found their footing on the high wire you laid out before me. They say hindsight is 2020, but my incentive to turn I keep myself guessing with the lesson I've yet to learn anyway oh my gosh so I like writing some of that down um <laughs> I love that the last part you did the hindsight's 2020 but the blind lie light the My blind eye sensitive, has incentive to turn. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great, a, a great lyric. So this came from a prompt to you need to have a high wire in the song. Yeah, and that was in your songwriting group. Yeah, and so you had the concept, you had some chords that you thought fit the mood. Yeah, you just went for it. Yeah, word vomit until something sounded right, and then piece it together. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then let okay. me, oh, wait. And just so you know, I really like the very end. The last line of it is like, maybe I should f look for grounded feet, someone with mud on their boots. But wait, who's that coming down in the parachute? Oh, ends. that is wonderful. You're leaving us hanging. Yeah. Cool. Musically, too, because it ends on the major seven. Um, oh, my. Yeah. And, but so, yeah, there's all these like little moments in those lyrics that make me kind of word geek out. Like just like the box top rom-com to right. me 
is like such a fun, I'm like, oh, I know none of those words rhyme, but since they all are consonant, O consonant, like, oh, what a cool little pattern I just found. <laughs> You're right. We got an O. That's like, that's like the game you play in the car where you're like, I'm going to a place and it has this, but not that. And the people try to guess what it is. This one has not just a cons or not just a, not just a vowel, but the exact same vowel. Yeah. A three letter yeah. Word. What a win. <laughs> how quick, how quick do you work? Does, does this sometimes, this process sometimes drag on for weeks and incomplete songs or when you have an idea and a prompt, you sit down and get it done. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I am slow. Um, I feel like even if a song, quote unquote, comes out in one sitting, that was a like a six hour sitting <laughs> um, of, you know, manipulating ideas and with that song i got stuck on what i wanted to do for the bridge so i went over to the piano and i found like a little bass line that i liked on the piano and then like i hardly ever write bass lines on the guitar and um but it's so easy on piano and then i brought it back to the guitar and i was like ooh, now i can fool people into thinking i'm a good guitar player but really it's only because the idea is so much easier on piano right Oh, that's so cool! That I'm. Um, thanks for thanks for sharing a bit of that song. And what are, what are you calling it? Hindsight. Hindsight. Okay. I can't just have it in the podcast and not tell people the name of the song. Right. Although. Where can they find it? Right here at the 16 minute 37 mark. I just made that up. That's right. Here <laughs> it is. Um, I actually want to talk to you about that too, and but I don't want to. I don't know if I want to jump off songwriting just yet. Can we, can we jump around? We can jump around. That's how my brain works. So you have, you've cultivated a brand. You've cultivated a following. People around town know who you are. You are definitely a household name in songwriter circles. Um, and you have not put out like an <laughs> album. Yeah, I know. It's kind of ridiculous. It's not on purpose. Um, it's it is out of fear. I fear of spending the money and fear of solidifying ideas. Um, because production wise, like I know I can put on a fun live show, but it's just so hard to translate into a recording that I feel like almost every recording I hear, I don't know, the, the vibe isn't there. You know, the vibe has been lost from that fun. Um, and you know, just the perfectionism that feels required for recording something and making production choices. Like, I just want to say yes to everything. And then, like, I have the song Robot that could be, like, a heart-wrenching acoustic, like, not ballad, but just, you could also 
ramp it up and make it a pop song if you wanted. And I want to hear it I, both ways. So like that's every song I write and having to make production decisions and it's not like I have it fully produced in my head and I just need to bring the vision to life. I just feel too open. What if you did an album called Both Sides of the Gun and you did the same 10 songs in order, like A side, B side, but you the production was way different? I love that. I love that idea. And then I wouldn't have to be as decisive. Right. Then you have two options. Yeah. I actually always wanted an artist that I really like to do something like that, where not even necessarily for the whole album, but where they put out a single but it's like two singles but it's the same song and they're way different i've always wanted somebody to do that like let me hear like i don't like not wait two years where the one song becomes a big hit and now you need an acoustic version to make extra money I, <laughs> yeah. I mean like literally just come out with like i wrote this song and i can play it gut-wrenching like someone's gonna cover it anyway <laughs> right the rockin' version like the way the original sounds or whatever you know, and then and then, what would all those cover artists on YouTube do? What would what would we all do when we're we're wanting to cover a pop song, right? We'd just be like, oh my gosh, this artist already did it. Like we're screwed. With that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's more than two ways to <laughs> do a song, but yeah. Well, that's a great idea. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what'll. Well, with unlimited budget. <laughs> with unlimited budget, and we're all here for it. We can't wait. We can't wait to hear it. Yeah. What, whatever ends up happening. Yeah. Um, so I do, I do have my debut album on its way. By the way, I I bit the bullet. It's in the mixing phase, and I have a live album, so I have I can satisfy my. Should this sound more realistic or should it sound like what we hear on the radio? I have my options for whatever your favorite flavor is. So I have a, a live album and a studio album cooking. And is it is it going to be the same tracks on the two or will there be some differences? No, they're mostly all different. Nice. Now, where did you do the live album? I did it at a space called Elephant Hall. Uh, it's in Denver and it is at 30th and Zunai next to a, um, it's part of a nonprofit building. So I'm connected with the owner there and he told me I could use the space for my live album. Oh, how cool. Are you excited with how it turned out? Yeah, well, I have put that on the back burner and been only focusing on the studio album as of late, but I am excited for it. And also, um, scared i guess because they sound they sound different you know than how i play them live and i don't know how the public will react did you go what direction did you go production wise on that uh i don't i don't really know the terminology to describe it well but i can send you a track oh my god <laughs> yeah, please do but it's yeah. different it's different than you would think to play it live Yes. Well, I mean, there's some electronic sounds in there and right. um, yeah. So is it almost going in? I, I, the word pop is so, um, you can say it. Uh, 
Well, like what does pop mean? Um, would, would you say it heads in a pop direction relative to how you play those same songs live? Yeah, I mean, I, I have always called myself folk pop. So I think it's very in alignment with how, with what I listen to and what, yeah, with what I play. It's a good match. Yeah. Yeah, good. Man, I, I can't wait to hear it. And I hope um, you send me the link and I'll mm-hmm. share it on here when it happens. Do you have any release dates yet? No, I don't have, I haven't figured out my plan with that. I know a bunch of people pushing back their release dates because of COVID. And so I don't, I want to be smart, I guess, with when it comes out and should I put it out when I can't tour on it? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe that's the million dollar, million dollar question. Are you and you're planning on touring on it. I mean, if you if you don't release it right now. <laughs> yeah. Right now, yeah, right but the, the other thing is I have so many new s- songs that I'm excited to record my next batch. So right. part of me is like, well, maybe I should just release it and I'll just tour on my next album. <laughs> right. Yeah, that could be a cool a cool thing too. Then you have two albums to tour on. I don't know. Yeah. I, no, I- I think probably a lot of us are going through that where you're holding on to songs that have been recorded. Do I release them? Do I not release them? And then there's always that new batch of songs coming up and you can't wait to get to those. And, but it's all such a process. If you're pre-production, like you're saying, how are we going to produce it? How are we going to put it out? What's the release strategy? Right. Um, so and then I'm kind of like money shy about paying for promo because I hear so many horror stories about that that I'm like, is it worth the risk? Do I want to risk thousands of dollars on a you know publicist situation that even they can't guarantee results? You know, tell us a, tell us a horror story. Oh, I just feel like everyone, everyone I've ever talked to, have like has said, oh yeah, I paid thousands of dollars for that and it didn't really get me anything yeah yeah i did a publicist on my last record but i didn't on this one that just came out yeah i don't know it was there we got some cool album reviews and stuff so i wouldn't say it was a bad thing but it's really hard to put a price on an article that you have no idea how many people read (laughs) and they couldn't tell me either they said oh we don't we like we don't track that and i was like you ought to um but it was it's interesting because you really are the one with skin in the game they don't have any skin in the game they have their connections and they'll send your stuff to their connections right and whether they bite on it or not it's still going to cost you whatever 1200 bucks a month whatever it is being um it'd be like going to a dentist and being like i'll pay you ten thousand dollars to remove my teeth that are bad. And they're like, I'll try. I don't know what'll happen, but I will try. And you will pay me those $10,000, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's certainly freaky. And, and it's, it's so hard to put a dollar, to put a dollar value on promotion. I feel like, because mm-hmm. how much is a no depression article worth? If we don't know how many people looked at it. <laughs> right. And your Spotify numbers don't change and your live show numbers don't change. What was the purpose of it? Oh, well, 
exposure and you need to get in front of people seven times or whatever. <sighs> so, so then how much is each one of those times worth? I don't know. I go through these equations in my head and I just get lost. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, it's something that I think is really interesting. You, you talked about me having built my brand and stuff like that. Everything I have read about, you know, building your brand requires you to know your audience and know your demographic to a T, right? And I still don't because, and I think it's because I don't have recorded music out there. Like the people who show up to my shows are a completely different different demographic than who is going to listen to my music once it's on Spotify. What makes you say that? Um, because they are older, listening room, attending, you know, folk music loving people that will come to my shows. Right. And the natural assumption is that my music would resonate with, I don't know, women around my age, because that's, you know, I write most of my songs from a very personal place. And yeah, women my age are having children <laughs> and not going out and listening to local music who they haven't heard. If like my peers, when they go to concerts, they're just going to nationally known artists. Yeah. Um, not, you know, my musician peers, but my non-musician peers. So is that the demographic that you would like to appeal to also women about your age? Like if you, if, if somebody said, who do you, who do you want to listen to your music? Obviously you'd take anybody probably, but <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, are you kidding me? If the teenagers think I'm cool, I'll take them. Okay. Um, is that, but is that who you would, is that who you would like to hone in on? Uh, I don't know because I feel like I don't want to, I want to be realistic. I don't want to assume my music is made for this group when this other group is the group that likes it, you know? Yeah. So I don't want to just, you know, if older single white men are loving my music, I don't want to spend all of my money on, you know, 30 year old moms. <laughs> Although I think they would like my music too. <laughs> um, and I guess that brings up your, re your release strategy even more. Um, do you think when you're touring on the record, do you think you'll be going out and playing to those older folk listening, let's go hear new music audiences? Or do you think you're really going to try, however that may be, to, to, to go to a younger audience? Or are you going to work it online for a while and see if that can give you better data about who to who to play for online or who to play for live excuse me i think that would be smart you know just really building on the internet and then getting a more accurate demographic because my connections as a touring artist are for 
folk music lovers who go to listening room shows. Mm. Um, so that is where I know I can get gigs. And I, you know, I love playing house concerts and people who listen to lyrics and, um, you know, my music isn't the most danceable when I don't have a band with me. So yeah. the list, yeah, the listening rooms, which always draw an older crowd are where I would go just because it's hard enough to get booked. Those are the places I have friends. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up such an interesting point too, of the live show that you're able to provide right now. One, because you know, it's going to work too, because um, you're not going to spend a whole bunch of money on a live band for a tour. If you don't know any, if anyone's going to be there or whatever. Right. right. So that's like the live show you're able to bring, which could be significantly different than what people are hearing online. And it, it maybe kind of sticks you in a place like, what's my, what's my demo. Right. Um, and I think it's a, a fascinating thing that a lot of us, are asking the same question yeah i mean luckily even my produced poppier stuff is still it's still my music so it's not um it's no lady gaga right. <laughs> you know it's so yeah what are and what are what have those listening shows been like for you what have the house concerts been like what's um i don't know talk about that a little bit i know a lot of um folks a lot of musicians aren't super involved in that circuit and i also know a lot of non-musician listeners uh have maybe thought about hosting a house concert or go to listening room shows or are curious about them what's the what's the rundown let's see the rundown is that someone opens up their home and invites over say 20 friends and if that's an intimidating number of friends then um, I like to offer to people, you can also co-host house concerts, you know, right. you invite seven friends and your friend invites 13 plus whatever. Everyone, um, they're way more fun when there's food involved. We know I, how I feel about food and, you know, you mingle and hang out for maybe an hour and then you sit and have a show and it's just a really great intimate, uh, exchange between the performer and the audience and you're not dealing with the the bar noise and the expensive drink prices and where to park you're it's a hangout but you also get a concert out of it and i i really feel like it's a win-win for the the party goers and the artist because you know the money goes directly to the musician and they're just so nice like that is how you make those fans that are going to be with you for a lifetime i think and do you find that you know say you're playing i i don't know let's pick random town seattle you go and play in seattle at a house concert for 20 people they buy merch they love your music um do you keep them as fans so the next time you play in seattle for maybe a different host some of those people still come out and do you open the door for those same people to still come out, even if they're not friends of the host, they're fans of yours instead. Well, to be honest, I'm still pretty new in my touring life. I haven't been to any region um, 
multiple times with the exception I'm like about to go to Texas and that'll be my second time there. Mm. Um, and what I understand is that it's hard to convert house concert fans into venue fans. So that is a, a bummer of a catch 22. Um, you know, if you want to book a venue in Seattle because you played a great house show there, you can't really guarantee your draw because house concert people like the vibe of house concerts usually. So what does your ideal show look like? Um, say in let, let's stay in Seattle. What does your ideal show look like there? Would it be a big house concert? Would it be a full theater with a full band? Um, what's the, what's the goal for you when you're, when you're touring? What do you want to see? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I would like to play a full theater with a band. And I would also like to play a house concert. Um, That's fine. You can do both. Yeah. But my goal is just to reach as many people as I can to increase my fan base, the number of people I'm connecting with. And it's such a broad, you know, vague goal. That's literally every musician's goal. Um, so I know I need to dial that in more. But if you want to know my career dreams, I want to open for Ingrid Michaelson. Okay. I want to write a song with Taylor Swift. Nice. And I want to go on tour with Steve Poltz. That would be cool. I saw him at Swallow Hill or something a few years ago. Um, that oh my gosh, those are like three amazing goals. So if you if you accomplished all three of those by the time you're, I would just die. By the time you turned forty, you would just die. Would you make new goals or would you just end it? I mean, given who I am, I would make new goals, but I also feel like I would just die. I would be so happy and those are the three things that have been at the top of mind but you know i'm sure everyone who hasn't won a grammy has winning a grammy as their goal and then once they win one they want to win 10. So. right right but but it still must be cool to set such a high goal and achieve it like even if you're on to the next thing in your head you still have to sit back and be like whoa i actually like i did that i'm famous i'm you know or whatever i'm cool <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, what's yours? Do you know yours? Yeah, I have them written on the whiteboard. Number uh, one, and I and I don't I don't expect to sell out ten thousand cap venues. Like five hundred to thousand cap venues in every town would be totally cool with me, which is still a lot to ask. Right. But I would like to sell out Red Rocks because I live here. I'm from here. I'm a Colorado guy. I would love to sell out Red Rocks as a headliner. I would love for this podcast to have more downloads than NPR for a week. <laughs> We can probably pay some bots. <laughs> bots do it. I think that would be awesome. That's number two. And number three is I want to score a major motion picture. Whoa, that would be awesome. The wheat. I know. But, but those are the three on the whiteboard, which are all my main thing is singer, songwriter, touring guy. Right. But those three goals are all in different fields, sort of. But one of them's live performing, one of them's your podcast, and one of them is the um, the movie industry. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but it, but if if I achieved all three of those, I would have different. I would have more goals for sure. Before I achieved them, as soon as they got in actual reach, I'd have other goals, right? But um, if I achieve those three things, I definitely have to 
you know, sit out and have a beer and or four and just be like, yeah, cross it off the list. Yeah. Because you know how nice it is to cross off things off your off your to-do list. It's so great. But those uh, things that are there for a long time, you know. What is? But there's also those things like the goals that are there for a long time, you know. Yeah. How cool would it be to cross it off? Yeah. Yeah, one of the, I think the main questions as an independent musician is, what is your definition of success? What is success, right? And it it's hard every time to answer um, because I really don't want to ever be in that trap of, I will feel successful when, you know, because then it's just a moving target once you get it, it's not satisfying. There's this like quote from John Mayer of how he reached every career dream he ever wanted. And he still is like, wow, what, it, what would it have been like to just like be home and have a family? Like maybe that's success, you know? So everyone, I, I think that's a, a weird, dangerous mindset that I'm kind of fascinated by of, yeah the balance between um, when is enough enough and being ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lot to think about. And, you know, John Mayer didn't have kids, so. Right. <laughs> so he gets to sell out the Pepsi center, you know. Um, <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> Where did, where did Shannon Address come from? Did you, I, I assume in Address is not your last name. And actually, I know it's not your last name. Huh. Uh, I mean, did you ever think about Shanna in sweatpants or Shanna with a hat on? Where, uh, where did this come from? Well, this came from um, the fact that I learned that dresses are the best item of clothing because you can put on one item of clothing and then you're dressed for the day. They, I would happily wear a dress every, every day for the rest of my life. So I just like wearing them. Um, and then of course my last name is Hoare. So being Shanna Hoare, which is how I performed in Charlottesville. Um, I, uh, love I love my name and I love making whore jokes but I was like I wonder if ultimately that's gonna hold me back (laughs) (laughs) like there's only so much like sometimes I wonder I bet I you know I never win contests like raffle drawings and stuff and I bet you it's because if they ever picked my name they're like oh gosh I don't know how to say that name let's pick a different one you know right I don't know what opportunities like being a whore could be holding me back from. (laughs) I thought, um, let's, let's give people an easier thing to pronounce. (laughs) So now I'm Shanna and address. It is easy to pronounce. So when you, when you enter raffles now, is it first name Shanna, last name and address? Is that what you do now? I can't think of the last raffle I've entered, but I do, I enter, um, I, I will sometimes fill out an address as my last name for random stuff. Yeah. Also, yeah, it's just inadvertently has become, you know, my branded name and 
sometimes I get like really bummed when people use my real name. I'm like, no, I have I have Shannon address for a reason. Use it. Use it. Well, and you didn't you didn't change your name a whole lot too. There's some people that change their name completely. You know, first and last name is nothing like like what their name was, and I think that's totally fine. Or they go under a band name. I can't think of the word for that. Like passenger. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's interesting I've always thought that because I feel like I can just call you Shanna on stage or not on stage but if I was hanging out with my friend Passenger (laughs) friends with what would I what would I call him like do his friends call him Passenger or do they Mike or Steve or whatever his name actually is I don't know right I know like Lady Gaga has that same like people are like so what do I call you (laughs) Lady? <laughs> Lady. Uh, something else I wanted to touch on is your Patreon. Um, yeah. We chatted about this briefly a couple weeks ago, too. Mm-hmm. Actually, not briefly. We talked about it for a long time. Um, you set up a Patreon. It's something that's been around for a while, um, and it's essentially a platform where you can um, pay your favorite artist or performer um, – for, for something. It could be uh, a monthly contribution of $5 and for $5, you get to hear all the songs before they're out or whatever. Artists do this all kinds of different ways, but it's recently, I think, been talked about a lot more in the creative community because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, and so it's kind of become a much bigger thing than it than it already was. So you started one, you ran a successful campaign, and you have a bunch of people contributing to your Patreon now. Yeah, I do. It's great. Yeah. Um, I'm like, what do you want me to say about it? Yeah, I want to hear all about your Patreon. I didn't ask a question. I apologize. I know. Um, Tell me about Patreon. (laughs) Tell you about it. Just that I am so, so thankful and grateful that it is a platform. I'd wanted to do it for a long time. And COVID made me have to do it because like my artist income was done. And um, with the exception of, you know, the live stream shows every once in a while, but I, you know, I made sure everyone knew about it, which is the secret to any campaign. And I think I have 140 people on that want to support me or you know get the get the inside scoop so i've sent them a few of the produced tracks from my album and asked for their feedback and i do these monthly patreon only zoom shows for them where you know on on facebook live and everything you don't really get to interact with people um the way you can on zoom and so we do those on Zoom so that I actually get to see their faces and there's some back and forth there. And um, I'll share news with them, sometimes news that I won't even share publicly. Just, um, it's funny how much I, it's, and you know, it's an exchange of resources and content, but I, I trust them to maybe an inordinate 
degree, you know? I'm like, wow, you guys, like, you believe in me enough that you put your money where your mouth is? Like, I um, will respond by, you know, valuing your input to a really high degree and, you wow. know, be back on my tracks and whatnot. Was it, was it difficult to do the ask? Because I, I imagine you have to ask some people more than once or put it out in front of them more than once. Um, did you worry at all about upsetting any friends or anything like that? I mean, how, how was the ask for you? It's always horrible and uncomfortable. And I, and I wish I had other people to ask for me, but I am my own team, you know? So, um, you know, and I have a, a big group of uh, friends from college that I asked like a number of times and they none of them became patrons. And look, you know, I, I have that little balance of having hurt feelings about it and then also recognizing, I mean, I'm human too. When other people are asking me for things, I don't want to you know, have another monthly fee coming out of my bank account. So I also totally get it when people say no. Um, But um, I guess it takes vulnerability to be a good artist and it takes vulnerability to um, ask for help when you need it. So. Well, it's, you got help and, and it's, you've got a lot of people on 140 people. That's a whole lot of people that believe in you, not just once, not just to walk up to you and say, great show and then leave. But like you said, put your money where your mouth is. They, they believe in you enough, even if that's, you know, $1 or a hundred dollars or whatever that they're doing it. They're, they're there with you for the journey, which I'm sure must be a really cool feeling. What, what were some of the, rewards or I don't know if you call them rewards but there's certain things you get if you contribute certain amounts of money right my tears are all the same I said I said you know contribute whatever at whatever level feels good to you if you're in a position where you can give more it absolutely helps and if like three bucks a month is all you got that helps too so um I did the you get everything approach for every level do that what a lot of people do that that approach yeah oh that's cool that's cool and even what were your thoughts on that not offering more to paying more do you think i mean did you still get people a lot of people paying more than the minimum amount uh yeah, yeah definitely that's cool yeah that's- never underestimate the generosity of people they always will surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, about whether I was nervous to ask, super nervous because my Kickstarter was two years ago and I haven't um, delivered my rewards on my Kickstarter yet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I am a horrible human being that I am asking and I haven't even given them this yet. And it's because my record's not ready. Like I can't I can't give you my other rewards and not the record, you know? So like all of the other rewards are at the bottleneck of having the physical record done so I can send it. Wow. You, you still got to send out your rewards. 
I that's do. a long two years. No, that's a <laughs> stop, stop. I already feel bad about it, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else are you doing right now? You're I mean, we're, nobody's performing right now, but aside from that in general, from writing, performing, recording, um, you're teaching lessons as well, correct? Yes. How do you like that? Yeah, I love it. And actually, I do have a few gigs coming up. I'm playing um, outdoor house shows in Utah and Texas in the next two weeks. Awesome. Yeah, they're probably the least viable tours I've ever booked because I, I couldn't really fill them out, you know? Yeah. Um, there are these one-offs, but I'm just so excited to play for people and the situations they've set up seem pretty safe and respectful. Um, and but, are yeah. these people that you've played for before or do you book them through a network or? No, they are people that reach out to me. So cool. Yeah. Pretty nice. <laughs> so, cool. um, so you're gonna drive to Utah, drive home, drive to Texas, drive home. Yes, I am. <laughs> that, I've I've uh, <laughs> I've done that sort of thing many times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it'll be nice to get out of the house, I imagine, and yeah. and see some friends and play some songs. What part of Utah? What part of Texas? Midway, Utah, Heber City, is where I'm playing there, mm. and Amarillo. Cool. Okay. Yep. Yep. Been through Amarillo. But in response to your question of what I'm doing now, um, I'm about to be starting a songwriting class um, through the Center for Musical Arts where I teach for them. And so I'm excited about that. Usually I've only ever done songwriting one-on-one -on -one with people. So this is going to be my first group class. Awesome. How are you going to, how is your approach going to be different in a group class environment? Um, it, it just has to be more structured, you know, with one-on-one, -on -one, I can just go directly into play me your song and let's figure out how we can make it better. But you got to give a lot more guidance with a group. Yeah. Um, but, um, I told you this last time we chatted, but YouTube is going to be my new my new thing yeah i'm i'm totally scared of it but because i'm not really a video person but i don't know how long we aren't going to be playing live and i got to be building on something and youtube seems a smart place to be doing it so i have i have committed every wednesday i am going to put out a new video and I've said this before and not told the truth, but this time it is true. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of, okay, two questions, original yeah. or cover. And question two is what kind of, is this going to be a high quality production or just an intimate iPhone in the living room kind of thing? What's the, what's the premise? Um, it'll probably be mostly, you know, iPhone in the living room situations, but I have, I have some people I can ask to help me do some nicer stuff. Uh, I have a video that's being edited from my live album show that I'll be able to put out soon. And 
you know, hopefully the more I do it, the more creative I'll want to be with it. Yeah. I just feel, I don't know. The the baby entry into me being consistent on this is to do originals and to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel a lot of pressure with covers, uh, even though that's, you know, the smart way to reach new people. I, you know, it's it's not ever what I have made my show about. Right. Uh, it's it's not my strong suit. So even if I'm not growing my fans, I'm just keeping my my fans uh, entertained with something to look at every week. I'm gonna start with originals. Awesome. You know, I think that's really cool too because the cover route has been explored over and over and over again, and I love. That I am doing originals. Screw it. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a really poor business decision. <laughs> I don't think so. And I think you have the fan base too that will really dig having a new song to listen to every week and it'll grow that way. Right. If they really, if they are already like you and they watch a song where they're just like, wow, I love this. They're going to share it. I, I mean, I think, or, or maybe not. And, and it was a stupid idea. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> oh, um, ask me about the first song that, or the video that I just released. <laughs> Shanna, what about this video you just released? All right, and then you can cut out me asking. Um, <laughs> I leaving it in. I know you will. Uh, I tried to type in the chat, but then I couldn't stay normal while you were talking to me. Um, I just wrote a song inspired by racism and it's called Blindfold. And I had my friend Joy Adams come over and play cello on it. And uh, that was that was the video that kicked off my every Wednesday. I'm sticking to this, here I go. This is video number one, so. Well, let's let's definitely link. Shoot me a link to it, and we will put it in the show notes, um, along with any other links, right? Where, where people can go to find um, find out more about you. We'll have a link to your Patreon page. Um, Thanks. You know, so people listening will be like, "I'm going to be on there every Wednesday and checking on her to make sure that she's posting that song." Honestly, I need an insane amount of public accountability for this uh, Wednesday thing. There's this personality test um, that puts you into four categories, like the obliger, the rebel, the like, and the four categories are one is like, you do the right thing because like, even when no one's watching, you need to know that you did the right thing. And then the other one is called the obliger, which is like, if there are other people watching, like you'll do it, yeah. you know? And uh, I, I don't remember what the third one is. And the fourth one is the rebel, which is like, if something is expected of you, you want to rebel against it. Right. And like, I, I, I have a little bit of that rebel in me. So it's like almost not enough to have 
a hundred people being like, we're waiting for our video <laughs> because I'll be like, well, tough. Wait another week. Mm, suckers. But I'm hoping I'm trying to change that, that part of me and my brain. And I will, I, cause I really, really care about, um, growing this. I want to challenge all middle-class rock star listeners to send, uh, Shanna, really rude messages on Thursday morning if there's ever not a new video on Wednesday. I would love that. You know what might work? I've heard like you can like mail a, a check to a trusted friend um, and be like, cash this if I ever don't release a video because that is a pretty terrifying um, punishment. I totally believe in you, but if you do do that, send me the check. <laughs> uh. Well, that's really cool that you're that you're doing that, and I'm going to be looking forward to new songs on Wednesday. I think everybody will be. So, congrats Thanks. on congrats on the start of it, and and everything else you have going on too. It's been uh, so great chatting with you. You've been on you've been on the list for a long time, so I'm really glad we could get it done, get together, sort of. Thanks for checking me off the list. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. I was a young man out of college. All right. Thanks, Shanna. I sure appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for being my friend. Thanks for being awesome. We're going to play out the episode with a song called Broken Crayons. When she sent it to me, it has the title Breakin Crayons. And so I had I listened through very carefully to make sure that it was a, you know, a typo and I assume it it is. It's it's got to be Broken Crayons, right? Just a, an O instead of an A. That's what I'm going with cuz that's what it says on the song, Broken Crayons. So we're going to check that out. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, death threats, suggestions for future podcasts, send them to me directly. MiddleClassRockstar at gmail.com If you're looking for ways to help out the podcast, you can uh, pre-save or, or save, excuse me, save, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to be a real dear, you can leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can tell your friends about it. You can share it. I would appreciate it very, very much. That's all for today. I will chat with you next week. Take care. The sun wakes up every morning. He is who I look up to. After dark comes a new story. Shoo-doop, ba-da-ba-ba, shoo-doop. Drawing board, pick up my pieces, find my way. Shoot, bada ba ba, shoot, bada ba ba. A broken crayon still colored. The oak still grows if a branch breaks off. 
Should do, ba da ba ba, should do. 